Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Oh God, as always, we are coming to you asking for insight and understanding into these relationships that you've built for us. Our relationship with you, our relationship with each other, and even our relationship with ourselves. Help us now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So at the beginning of the summer, we have been exploring in our teaching here some of the practices that we can use to grow as individuals, as humans, and as followers of Jesus. We've talked about the practice of confession. We've talked about prayer. We've talked about engaging the Bible. You can go back to avenhope.org actually and catch up with all of these messages. And today, we're talking about maturity. So how does all of this come together and how do we become mature human beings but also mature followers of Jesus? Uh, clearly, that's, uh, that's the call that we would grow and become mature and, and be, become capable people. And so uh, we want to talk today about how this happens. And so our text of emphasis today is coming from a letter that was written to a church in Ephesus, which was an ancient city, first a Greek city and then a Roman city in what is now known as uh, Turkey. The city, there's not much left of it. Some of you may have traveled there and seen uh, the ruins of Ephesus. The Apostle Paul, one of the great communicators of the good news in the first century, who met Jesus himself, uh, was writing letters to the many churches that had been established in the first century. We think Ephesus was, uh, this letter was written about uh, the year 50 uh, and, uh, AD. And so we're talking about, you know, 20 some years after Jesus' resurrection. So churches had grown up. Paul is writing this letter to this church in uh, Ephesus. And so we pick up in the, this letter in chapter four. By the way, as, as a note, we have a Bible study class that meets at 1020 on Sabbath mornings. And uh, they're gonna be talking about this le entire letter in the new quarter to come, so starting in July. So if you wanna learn more about uh, the book of Ephesians, the letter to uh, the church in Ephesus, we'll have three months discussing uh, chapter by chapter and verse by verse. Uh, so we, we're jumping kind of into the middle, actually toward the end of this 
passage as we think about this subject, this topic of maturity, spiritual maturity, but just also maturity in general. And you can see that uh, the Apostle Paul uh, says that he's, uh, that Jesus himself has given certain teachers or, or leaders, and he articulates who they are, the apostles. These were the first disciples, those who were with Jesus for three and a half years, knew him intimately, and were able to effectively communicate the good news about Jesus because they had been with him. And then he mentions that there are prophets, those with a special uh, message from God. The idea of, of being, being a messenger from God goes all the way back to the Hebrew Bible, so people were very familiar in the first century with what it meant to be a, a prophet. And then there are evangelists. These are people who are particularly uh, attuned to be able to communicate the good news to uh, people who haven't heard it before. And so the evangelists, and then there are pastors, those who work in uh, local communities to help shepherd them. The word pastor literally means shepherd, someone who's going to care for the, uh, the, the flock. That's the, the metaphor. And then there are teachers, those who teach in the community. And the idea is that all of these people are designed to help people grow toward maturity. Uh, Ephesians clearly says that they were given to equip the church for service so that the body of Christ can be built up until we reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. So the ultimate goal of all of this that was happening in the church with these leaders and these people with particular skills is that people would become mature. They would become mature. They become grown up. Paul is here alluding to an illustration that he uses in other places too to talk about the church. He talks about it in the context of a body. There's Jesus as the head of the body, and then anyone who accepts Jesus becomes part of the body. And uh, he's calling that you need mature parts of the body, right? So if you have a part of the body that doesn't mature, that affects the entire rest of the body. And so we're all tied together. You want to be unified in your maturity. And so there's this corporate idea of maturity. Like you want a body, and you can't have one part that is not mature while the rest of the part is mature. But then there's also the individual aspect. He talks about being infants, right, that are tossed back and forth by the uh, waves. We saw some waves getting tossed out there. Infants tossed back and forth by the waves. So individually, also, we want to be mature. So not only as a corporate body, as a church community, we want maturity, but we want to be mature as individuals as well. And so we see that Jesus designed the church and he designed the community so that people who are confessing faith in Jesus can come together. And the idea behind that is that we are growing toward maturity. We become a community that is mature and does loving service in this broken world. Now, this isn't the only time that the Apostle Paul talks about this idea of maturity, which is our theme for today. In Hebrews chapter 5, again, the idea of maturity comes up. He says this. This is Paul, again, writing to uh, the Hebraic church. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish between good and evil. We'll come back to that in a minute. We want to kind of first get uh, a handle on this idea of maturity. And so uh, Jesus also talks about maturity. Interestingly, though, in, the, in uh, Jesus' context, uh, the word that we hear in Paul translated as maturity, teleos, in the Greek is, uh, I like to throw Greek out just to show you, I studied Greek for a minute. I, that's all I know, you know, that word and that's it. But just, I had to do that to, to you know, 
to let you know that at one point I remembered some Greek. Anyway, uh, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus used that same word, teleos, but the English translator, translators translated it as perfect. Okay, so Matthew 5, this is Jesus' most famous sermon. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, he says, Be perfect, uh, or be mature, just as your heavenly Father is mature, perfect. Okay, so perfection, uh, maturity, completeness, teleos, the word, it can go through all of those, right? Those are all uh, meanings of this, this word. And so, again, the idea is that uh, we're called to be mature people, mature individuals, mature, uh, uh, spiritually mature people. And uh, this is not just in Ephesians, but Jesus and Paul and other places calls for this maturity, maturity. And so we are designed to develop toward maturity. So question, what does that look like? What does it look like to be a mature human being, but a spiritually mature human being in particular? Uh, well, again, in Hebrews, it was pretty clear. A mature person can distinguish between that is, which is good and that which is bad. Those things that are good for our relationships with each other, with ourselves, with God, and those things that are bad for those relationships. So a mature person is able to distinguish between what is good and bad. That's according to Hebrews. Uh, also, our text of emphasis to say, today says a mature person isn't tossed back and forth by different ideas, right? This is a little bit of a, a, a problem, certainly in our world in general, but also in the Christian world. A person hears an idea and suddenly, well, maybe that's, that's the, the right. And then we hear another idea and we have, you know, social media and so on, propagating all of these ideas and you're back, and forth, what is this? Maybe it's this, conspiracy theories, whatever. And we're all over the place wondering, like, one moment we're chasing this and the next moment we're chasing this idea. And... Uh, Paul says that's not how it works for mature people. They're not getting tossed back and forth by every idea. They're not tossed back and forth by disagreements. Uh, mature people are able to, to be around other people who even maybe disagree with them, but to, to not be in conflict with them. This is part of what it means to be a mature person. We're not tossed back and forth. M mature people can also modulate their emotions. A mature person just doesn't lose it every time uh, you know, something goes sideways or they come into disagreement with each other. And so all of these are elements of being a mature person. And then maybe the most uh, explicit description of maturity is found, again, in another letter written by the Apostle Paul, this time to a church in Galatia. This is Galatians chapter 5, and it says this, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Is there a better description of maturity? <laughs> Spiritual maturity, emotional maturity, physical uh, maturity, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gent gentleness and self-control. These are the manifestations of being a mature human being, a mature person and certainly a mature follower of Jesus. Now, maturity doesn't mean that we quit developing, of course. Uh, I look out and most of you today are you know, physically uh, mature. We have, our, our, some, we have some kids here today, some, many of them are downstairs having a good, good time. 
Uh, many of you are mature. You know, they say, depending on boys or girls, you kind of mature at different rates. I think if we said, like, you know, 26 to 28, I think your prefrontal cortex finishes developing at, like, 28. If you're a man, that prefrontal cortex is that thing, you know, uh, that uh, helps us to determine whether what we're doing is smart or not. That is fully developed, you know, in your late uh, 20s. And so you could say that might be a, uh, that might be a sign of, a physical a maturity. Uh, the good news, though, though, is even when we reach that physical maturity, it doesn't mean we don't we stop growing. Things are continuing to happen throughout life. In fact, the, we have the capacity to continue to learn and grow throughout our, our lives. This is true in our physical self. You know, I can go to the gym, which I should be doing, and I haven't been, even though my son is encouraging me now to go to the gym with him and I'm, I, I have not been as faithful as I should, but I can go, and when I go, I can grow, right? Things are gonna happen. My muscles are gonna start to adapt and change. Neuroscientists are, are figuring out uh, things like neuroplasticity that our brains can adjust throughout life. You know, it wasn't that long ago, 20 or 30 years, where brain scientists thought, you know, you got to a point and your brain basically stopped you know, being able to develop. Now we know the brain continues to develop. And so even after uh, getting to maturity, we can develop and grow. This is true of our physical selves, our emotional selves, and certainly our spiritual selves. So maturity doesn't mean that you stop. You continue to grow and develop throughout your experience in life and certainly in our spiritual lives. And so we wanna keep that in mind. The big question, though, is when we think about maturity is what is it that inhibits us from maturing? I would imagine that if we uh, did a poll of some sort, ask a question, you, you, many of you would uh, acknowledge or recognize that there's some areas in your life that you wish you were more mature. And so our big question today is, all right, maturity is good and uh, you know, the idea of embodying love and peace and joy and, and all of those elements and not being tossed back and forth by every uh, uh, theory that we, we hear. We don't want those things. So what is it that's inhibiting our ability to be mature, to be the mature people that God is inviting us to be, that calling us to be, and uh, that we probably want to be ourselves? What is that inhibiting uh, factor? Well, as one now does, I ask this question of ChatGPT. I mean, this is where we are now. So I asked ChatGPT, what is it that inhibits uh, growth to maturity in a person? And I, as I am finding, oftentimes found some helpful uh, responses in ChatGPT that I think relate to our, not only our physical and emotional lives, but our spiritual lives as well. And so ChatGPT came up with these. The first one was this. There are, I'm gonna share it with you, just three. There are more. I'm sure if you search, you'll find some good responses. The first one was lack of life experience. Lack of life experience. When you have a lack of life experience, it inhibits your growth toward uh, maturity. And so the idea is that maturity comes as we experience things, as we engage with things, as we meet new people and go new places and are challenged by new ideas, this helps us to grow toward maturity. Now, somewhat ironically here, this is not something that Christians often go after. In fact, uh, there is a, 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 an, an ancient, I would suggest to you, error 
that says Christians need to uh, sequester themselves from the world. Back, if you go back into the, uh, the Middle Ages, there was a whole practice of Christians, if you really wanted to be super spiritual, you had to get away from everybody and everything. And so you, they established monasteries where people would go and try to get away from the world, right? And get away from everything. Some heroic fear, figures from that period would do crazy things. And my favorite one, and I can't remember his name, but he, uh, he went out and he lived for years on the top of a, a pole, a large pole, and he made a little platform on the top of the pole and he lived there sequestered uh, from the world. And people would go out to see him and look up and say, look how spiritual he is up on top of that pole. And so there's this idea that true spiritual people are those who remove themselves from the world. But this idea is that no, actually uh, that inhibits your growth to maturity. Maturity comes as we have life experiences, that we engage with people, that as we're challenged with ideas that maybe conflict with the ideas that we've had, if you've ever had that experience. Uh, but I mean, if you live here in New York, uh, what are you doing? You've had experiences where you've had to expand and grow, and that is all good for your maturity. So the idea that we should shelter ourselves away or sequester ourselves from what's happening in the world is not an idea that's supported by the ideas of growth and maturity. It's certainly, by the way, uh, not what we see from the New Testament Christians. They were in the world. They were part of what's going on. They were in the conversations that were happening in their communities. We see that with Paul. We see that with Jesus. We see that with all of the disciples. So our maturity is inhibited when we're not engaged with what's going on and we lack life experience. Our maturity is also inhibited when we don't take personal responsibility for what's going on in our own experience or for what we've done. When we don't take personal responsibility, it's immature people who are always blaming others for everything that goes wrong, right? I mean, you've been around those people. You've probably also been those people who are blaming others for the things that are going wrong. Uh, that's a sign of immaturity. And so when we don't take personal responsibility for the things that are happening in our experience, now, of course, not everything that happens is, is our responsibility, but we should be able to take responsibility for those things that we are responsible for. The Christian idea of repentance is connected with this. Repentance is <laughs> acknowledge those things in which uh, you yourself have done that are hurtful or harmful to those relationships. The relationship with yourself, your relationship with God, and your relationship with each other. Take responsibility for that. You do things that hurt those relationships. And then finally, we inhibit our ability to be mature people when we lack self-reflection and self-awareness. This is tied together to that last one. Not taking time to be thoughtful and reflective about who we are and what's going on in our experience, right? Uh, in, in the Christian practice of meditation is toward this, to be thoughtful, to, 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 to process what our experience is. This often leads to repentance because as we reflect on ourselves, we see our shortcomings and the things that we could do better. Now, you don't want to go down the rabbit hole or spiral where that's your entire experience. Certainly not. That, that, that leads to all kinds of other mental health problems. But to be reflective and acknowledge who we are where we are and have a self-awareness as to 
what's going on. This is crucial, by the way, when it comes to the Christian experience in particular, because if we're not aware of who we are and, and, and where we are and what's going on in experience, uh, how are we going to move forward? How are we going to become mature? And that is the big question for us. Okay, so these are challenges that inhibit our ability to be mature human beings, to be mature spiritual human beings. Well, what is the solution? Well, the first step would be to look at these issues and start addressing them, okay? So, uh, you know, if, if uh, the, the, the first inhibitor is a problem for you, like not engaged with what's going on in the, the world, have sequestered yourself away, again, this is a tendency for Christians to just, you know, hide away and only hear conversations that you want to hear. Uh, so maybe a strategy would be to get out there, you know, travel more, talk to people that you're unfamiliar uh, with their background and, and engage in conversations. So that's a, a, a great strategy. Take more personal responsibility. Be intentional. Intentional about doing reflection on who you are, where you are, what's gone uh, wrong. Maybe you need to see a therapist. Maybe you need to talk to someone who is going to, uh, who is going to help you to develop and get past these boundaries to maturity. So these are great solutions, and we should take advantage of every one. But I want to suggest to you today that this is not enough. To achieve true maturity, certainly true uh, spiritual maturity, we need something more beyond what we're capable of doing as human beings. So we should take advantage of every one of those strategies and more to work toward maturity. But the Apostle Paul in Ephesians says there's a secret <laughs> to maturity, and it's found in verse 13 that we already read. He says, until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and then become mature. According to Paul, the starting point to true maturity is faith in knowledge in the work of Jesus. Now this seems simple, and of course you're like, of course the pastor at a Christian church is going to say this, but oftentimes we overlook this very simple fact. Maturity and growth starts not with all the work that we're going to do. Those things are good and important, but it's rooted first in recognizing the work that God has already done in Jesus. And so maturity begins and ends with faith and knowledge in the work of Jesus. That's according to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 13. Faith in knowledge in Jesus, confessing faith in him is the beginning of true and full maturity and perfection, if you will, completeness. God is calling us into a relationship where we can be a mature human being, not an infant that is tossed back and forth. I, you know, infants are, are great. I have three children Infants are fantastic. I love infants and then you know, toddlers. And each step is beautiful, right? Every step is beautiful. And at one, in one aspect, you're perfect each step of the way as you grow. And there's nothing better. We have a, 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 a church full of kids running around downstairs. And it's incredible and beautiful. But every one of us hopes that they develop into a mature human being. If they remained one forever, first of all, the parents would lose their minds. Second of all, it would just be unhealthy for them. We want 
them to grow. And so God is inviting us into the same relationship, a relationship that where we grow, that we don't just get stuck in one particular phase of our spiritual growth. Listen, some of you are stuck. I promise you, some of you are stuck today. You're stuck in a spiritual uh, place. You know, maybe you came into the church or you, uh, you, you believed in a particular teaching and uh, you were convicted of that teaching and then you put it into neutral there and you've been there for too long. That's okay, you're here. The good news though is that we are invited to grow to maturity, no longer infants, and we can become mature as we confess faith in Jesus. Faith in his work, not ours. And so it's God's work. Now, Jesus was the, perfection, the, the, the perfect model of maturity. Uh, consider Philippians chapter two. Talk about experiences, expanding your, your experiences. In Philippians chapter two, we're told this about Jesus. He was in very nature God, but he didn't consider equality with God or continuing to, 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 to exist in his godliness, he didn't, to, he didn't uh, uh, believe that that was something that he had to hold on to. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. Jesus was mature in that he didn't have to hold on to, to what he was. He was able to, to, to enter into a new experience to become a human, to become one of us. He had perfect uh, maturity when he was uh, arrested, if you remember this story. So the, uh, the temple guards, they come, and it's a, a dark evening, and he's with his disciples, and the temple guards approach, and uh, one of the temple guards who did not have maturity uh, pulled out his sword and cut off the ear. He thought he was doing something positive. He was defending Jesus, but he was acting with uncontrolled emotion, and this is not something Jesus had asked. And so Jesus said, this is Matthew 26, verse 52, put your sword back in its place. This is maturity. Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. These are mature responses. Do you not think I can call on my father, Jesus said, and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? You think your sword is going to do it? I have 12 legions of angels who can take care of this situation if that's how it's going to go. But that was not the mature response. Jesus acted maturely. He was arrested. He was tried. And he was crucified. Jesus epitomize what it means to be spiritually mature. And then his final and most profound act of maturity recorded in Luke chapter 23, verse 34, Jesus, as he is being crucified, looks at those who are crucifying him. They are murdering him. And what does he say? He says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Maturity is able to look beyond the circumstances that they're currently in, beyond the people that these, these individuals are in their action, and look to the, the, the loving individual that God desires them to be. Jesus had that capability because Jesus is the model of perfection, and he's the model of maturity. And we're told that because Jesus was mature because he is perfect. As we confess faith in him, 
God is able to give us Jesus' maturity. This is the great promise of the gospel, that because Jesus achieved, even though we have not achieved, even though we are, we are fallen and broken and we want to do better and we want to become better as we confess faith in him, God counts us as perfect and mature and then through the work of the Spirit actually works to change us and transform us and make us into the people that we want to be. This is why Paul in Ephesians 4 says, knowledge and faith in the Lord Jesus, that leads to maturity. You can spend your entire life trying to become the mature and perfect human being that you want to be and you will maybe make some inroads. And in some aspects, you'll get a little bit better here and there, and we should keep doing that, and we should use all the skills and talents and, and, and advice we can to grow in maturity, but ultimately, ultimately, things are only forever changed as we confess faith in the Lord Jesus and acknowledge it is His work which makes the real difference in our life to be the mature people God is calling us to be, and deep down inside, we all want to be. It seems so simple, which is part of the problem. It's so simple, some of us have a difficult time embracing this reality that when we confess faith in Jesus, and I suggest to you this is something you do every day, I believe in the power of the resurrection, and I want God's spirit to work in me. When you make that confession, God is enabled to start working in your experience and transforming and changing and bringing maturity in your experience that you will never develop on your own. Faith and knowledge in the Lord Jesus is where maturity is at. And so God is calling us to be mature Christians. And some of us want to be mature Christians. And so we do lots of Bible study and we pray lots and we learn all kinds of things. But we still feel like we're back and forth and we're all over the place. And it just doesn't feel like things are coming together. And so the invitation to you when you're feeling that way is go back to the simple beginning. Confess faith in Jesus and his work. It is that in which our hope lies. It's only in that in which our hope lies. The Jesus who lived and taught and died and rested and rose again and ascended and now reigns on high, it's his work that transforms and changes us today. And so, as we confess faith, may he develop maturity in each of our experience as individuals and as a community today. Amen.